0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 30th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 31, or I'm sorry, we are at page 53, first full paragraph on the page. Today's readers are Eddie, Paula, Marcia, Deb W. The reference number for Monday, October 29th, is 3240. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions
1: Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass.
0: Thank you, Margaret. I will now ask Katie to read the 12 Traditions.
2: Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater in Virginia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority and loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self supporting. Declining outside contributions. Eight, O'Rears Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O'Rears Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 53, and we're in the first paragraph. And I will ask Eddie to begin reading, please.
3: Good morning. This is Eddie, grateful com- recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Love logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which did not include, which did not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. Good morning, all. This is Eddie, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, Logic is great stuff, and I've always prided myself with being a logical person in that you know you, I guess maybe more practical than logical. You know you look at the situation and you think, well, this is what it is, and you know this is how I'm going to solve it. Uh, but that really is is not how I looked at my compulsive overeating, um, and the, and that there was any possible way that um, you know I could, I, the emphasis being on I, could fix this. Not till I came in the rooms did I realize that. I didn't have the power. Lord knows I had tried many, many, many times with varied and sundry solutions, none of which worked for very long or worked at all. And I struggled with the fact that I could have a personal God. And I always believe in God, but a personal God, you know, someone who was interested in me as a, an individual. I always thought of God in the global sense, you know, uh, famines and wars and uh, whatever in, in the world not as in my personal God and when I did think of that at first my first thought was well how selfish is that after all God belongs to everybody but you know I'm trying to confine, confine God to a box you know my box so I had to get over that but uh, when I got into the rooms I realized that um, as it says here uh you know, it's better to, it's just as easy really to believe as it is not to believe. Um I mean if, if I'm wrong, so what? I've I've led a good life and that's a good thing. But I you know, in my heart of course I realize I'm not wrong because there there cannot be any any way that there is not a loving and powerful God that directs my life today. Because certainly I would not have the life that I have today. The peace, the serenity, the contentment, the usefulness, um and the um just general wonderful life that I have today uh with with people who love me and people that I love uh surrounding me and 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 this God that enables me to walk through any storm um <laughs> quite literally and and figuratively that occurs in my life today. And so, um, you know, logic is great stuff. And when I really sat down and got into this book, I realized that it was logical to believe, because if that's all there was, what was the point? So with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Please press star one to unmute your phone.
2: Hi, this is Kim.
0: Kim, go ahead.
2: Good morning, Christy. Good morning,
4: my fellows. My name is Kim and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. It says why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, We don't know. You know, those words we don't know. That, those are three powerful words I learned to say in, in LA. Because I always had to know. I always had to be the, the person who had all the answers. I, I never was allowed to show weakness. I always had to be self-sufficient. You know, I always had to be logical, great stuff. If I, if I understand it, if I can control it, if I can figure it out, that everything's going to be okay. But here it says that our former thinking was soft and mushy. You know, and that's so true. You know, that it was all of my old thinking was based on getting my way and fear and, You know, all those different issues that, you know, it was my best thinking that got me here. It was my best thinking that got me obese and frightened and screwed up in my 20s. And when I hear soft and mushy, I think about the doctor's opinion. And it says, the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have a depth and weight. And doesn't the ideas of depth and weight sound so much better than those that are soft and mushy? So what I had to do was I had to throw up my hands and say I don't know. And you people, you recovered people that are farther down this path. If I can be open to what you have to say, and give up all those old ideas, all those 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 sick thinking that I had, maybe I have a chance. You know, if I if I am so ground in my old prejudices of what I think God is that I'm not going to be open to a new idea. I'm not going to be open to that new higher power. So it was when I threw up my hands in doubt and said, I don't know, that was the moment that the, the door creaked open that I could come to believe in a power greater than myself because I no longer was in control. And what a beautiful
2: place that is. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
5: Lisa H.
0: Lisa, go ahead. Hi, Lisa H.
5: from Washington State. Um, yeah, I like the word The word soft and mushy. It uh, resonated with me, too, because a lot of the foods that I um, was uh, particularly addicted to were soft and mushy, and as long as I was, as long as they were my God, I was not going to be able to figure out, or even have the time, when you're spending all of your time thinking about, um, I spent all of my time trying to figure out when I was going to eat next, what I was going to eat next, if I was going to have enough, It was a constant. Um, issue in my mind. You don't have a lot I didn't have a lot of extra time to think about God or what I might think about God or higher power or anything like that. And when I first came into the rooms I truly believed that the group itself <clears throat> was the was the the thing that I could latch on to because I really had such a vague sense of higher power. But over the years I have been able to develop a sense for you know, a personal sense of Higher power, and that has been an individual quest, and I think it is for all of us. And, um, and so that you know, but I had to become active. I had to get away from the soft and mushy thinking that was so pervasive in my life. And um, and so I I am grateful that because because I was able to come into the rooms, grab onto a strong program. I've been I my sense of spirituality is really becoming developed and, and walking on a path, I like to say of good orderly direction, is uh, becoming a way of life and it just becomes more exquisite as time goes on.
0: I pass. Thank you, Lisa. I'm Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I'll jump in here. Um, you know, what I what I love about logic, of course, is that it makes things black and white for someone like me who can't really handle gray. I can't really handle the gray areas. But logic, truly, I mean, it's it says, you know, let me reason something all the way through and prove it. You know, let me develop a proof and you know, reason my way through whatever, whatever the issue is and come up with something that's nice and clean and neat and pretty with a bow wrapped around it. And, you know, I love that. I absolutely love that. And, um, you know, the problem for me is that logic doesn't work with addiction. It just didn't work for me with addiction. There was no. It made no sense. I mean, addiction, in my mind, really doesn't make any sense. You And I'll give you just two simple examples of what I would have done in my life before. You know, before recovery, I mean, just yesterday I had... Um, you know, I had to take my car in, you know, and if that's not scary for someone like me, I don't know what is, but I took my car in, you know, to a mechanic that I trust, and it was something that I had to have done for a while, and I took it in, and I had it done, and um, what I would have done before, you know, when when the gentleman called me and gave me the estimate, here's how much it's going to cost, which is pretty much what it always costs when I take my car in, you know, there it seems to be this kind of set amount. Um, But, you know, I... I wouldn't have been able to handle that before. I, in recovery, you know, just getting my car fixed would have made me go out and, you know eat. I would have eaten over that. Now there's nothing at all logical about um, donuts making my car run better or uh, making the price of getting my car fixed any different. But that didn't matter. I mean, is is there any logic in that? Is there any logic in that? None at all. None at all. But that's, that's what I would have done. It makes no sense if you would have said, I'm eating right now because I'm getting my car fixed. Nothing in that sentence makes any sense. But those are the kinds of things I did all the time. Or, you know, the other experience I had is, you know, you know, we've had lots of leaves, you know, of course it's fall here and all the leaves have fallen off the trees and I've got several trees in my yard. You know, I have a pretty small yard. And, you know, my kind of thinking before recovery would be, you know, what I'll do is I'll wait for some, you know, for the wind to blow and hopefully they'll just blow all the leaves away into my neighbor's yards and I won't have to break them. But today, because of recovery, I'm a good neighbor. I'm a good neighbor and I go out and I rake my leaves and I, you know, I bag them in compostable bags and I put them out for the city in my state to take them away. But what I would have done before is made a decision like that to not be a good neighbor, to sit in my darkened house and eat and hope that the leaves blew into my neighbor's yards. And I would not have felt very good about making that decision, but what I would have done is eaten. And if you would have said, Christy, why are you eating? I would have said, because I'm waiting for the leaves to blow into my neighbor's yard. I know it's not being a good neighbor, and I know I can't live m- with myself, but that's what I'm eating over. You know, I didn't have the you know, ability to even think that through, but that's the kind of behavior I had in addiction. Does that make sense? There's nothing logical. About that, but that's the way I live my life in addiction. So, if I could accept that in addiction, why can't I accept in recovery that there's power greater than myself, you know, out there in the world that can maybe help me practice these principles in all my affairs and not eat over anything today? And that's the case, you know, I can accept that today. I can accept that today. If I could accept that eating was gonna help me make it through getting my car fixed, I can certainly, certainly hang on to the idea that not eating and leaning into a higher power is gonna help me not eat when I get my car fixed. Um, And when I'm raking my leaves, you know, out in my front yard to be a good neighbor. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. And I'm going to ask, Carolyn, would you be able to read that next paragraph for us?
3: Paula is here.
0: Oh, Paula. All right, Paula, we'll have you jump in. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you another time, Carolyn. Go ahead, Paula.
4: I'm uh, sorry about that, and I do apologize. This is Paula, recovered, <coughs> compulsible reader. And we come to this paragraph here. When we become alcoholics, crushed by self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or invade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? It looks like we come again to that word, to me, that made so much of an impact, full swing on the beginning of page 52. And here it's a full swing again. He is nothing or he is everything. But I like, I'm going to go right, scoot up to the first line. When we became alcoholics, crushed, there you go, you need to be crushed, this is the part, by a self-imposed crisis of my own making. Nobody else did it. Now, I would like to think that, by the way. Well, it was because of, you know, the generations. No. No, I made the choice every day to pick up or not to pick up. I made the choices here. Self-imposed crisis. We could not postpone. And may I add here, I was so good at tomorrow. So good at tomorrow. Tomorrow, it would be different. It was never different because tomorrow never came for me. Not on my own power or evade, and that was another powerful word here, or evade. Oh, I would go around, I would circle under, I would try to do, go to the side, anywhere, anywhere else. And then it said, finally, we had to fearlessly. And that was it, without fear. Face the proposition, there it is for you. Either God is everything, or else he is nothing. And there, the difference of a life changed. There, the spirituality of this program, God that either is, or he isn't, and I can tell you, when he is, you will see a life transformed. When he isn't, it will stay the same. What was our choice to be? Always your choice. Thank you for allowing me to share, and again, I apologize for being a bit tardy here. And with that, I do pass
0: Thank you, Paula, glad you're here. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Just press star one to unmute.
6: It's Leah.
0: Leah, go ahead.
6: Hey, Christy, good morning to you, good morning everybody. My name is Leah, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to focus in on this statement when we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis Uh Uh-oh, that does not sound good. (laughs) And uh, the dictionary defines self-imposed as put on oneself by oneself, voluntarily assumed or endured. So, I mean, is is the big book suggesting that, uh, you know, our disease or the alcoholics' alcoholism is at least in some part a condition of his own making? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Crushed. Um, you know, by this self-imposed crisis. You know, when we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis. So, yeah, the big book is being brutally honest here, very honest, that it's no one else's fault. You know, that brownie didn't catapult itself off the counter and down my gullet. No one else's fault but myself. You know, I was imposing this crisis on myself. Why? Well, because the solution is obvious to each and every one of us in these pages there's all kinds of people saying that um they have alcoholism and the problem is now solved due to the clear cut directions in this book and you can do it if you do what we did so it is self imposed you know now we know what the solution is now we know what the solution is so it is self imposed it's something we do to ourselves the doctor's opinion says that we succumb we yield to the disease we invite it back in and of course that that point is reinforced by the fact that, you know, this book is studied on the line, taught on the line, discussed on the line, and yet although the answer is available to everyone on the line, uh, you know, compulsive overeaters of, of our type are reluctant. We're reluctant to do anything about it, even though the suggestions are given that could arrest the disease and enable people, and that included me way back when, enable people, compulsive overeaters, to start a whole new life. We have no enthusiasm to pursue that. We want something to happen as if a miracle should happen to us. You know, So these words are, are hard to swallow, pardon the pun, but it is it is very, very true. You know, there are two kinds of people that come into these rooms, two kinds of people that come on the line, let's say, those that make it and those who won't. And you know who decides which column you're in? Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us, because the solution is here. And and the, the big book's words, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. That statement is as true today on October 30th, 2012, as it was when it was penned in 1939. You know, our problem is not one of trying to prove God. That's not our problem, really. Our problem is to act as if that was true, as if God does exist, and to stop acting as if it were not true. And we do that through action, and we do that through action. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph?
7: Uh, this hi, this is
0: Melanie. Uh, I heard Melanie, and then we'll catch the other folks uh, when Melanie's done. Go ahead, Melanie. I thanks
7: Chris- hi, Melanie from uh, Minnesota Compulsive Leader. And just short and sweet, um, focusing on um, God is everything or he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. And I... Um, read this some time ago and have read it many times since and remembered that I was in the chapter 2, We Agnostics, and I remembered all the ways in which I behaved as an agnostic, that I had to admit that I was behaving as an agnostic. um, thought that I was a believer in a God of sorts. Um, When I read this and with the impact, the power of this particular writing people were convinced, probably not unlike me, that it was either sink or swim, do or die. This became really, really, so really helpful for me. This is a thing that I could build from, build on. And I agree, admit, and follow exactly what these people say to the best of my ability because I believe that what they're saying is all of my heart. So if that's the case, Melanie, this has to be, has to be absolutely this has to be if no ifs ands or buts about it it really did shape all of those pieces gnostic behavior that i had to what i have today believing this particular line whether i wanted to or not i accepted it and did it and acted on it that's what this whole deal is about anyway and it saved my life so i just wanted to add that piece i'll pass
0: thank you melanie and uh i heard some other <laughs> folks who else would like to share
8: Anne Marie.
0: Anne Marie, thank you. Go ahead, Anne Marie.
8: Hi, thank you. Anne Marie, recovered the pulse of eater. Um, you know what's so important to me in this paragraph is, which was already mentioned, um, the alcohol is crushed by a self imposed crisis. I didn't think this was self imposed. I was a victim. When I was in the food, I was a total victim. Why me? Why is, why was I cursed with this problem? Never did I see any of my, my impact, you know, my selfishness. Um, when someone told me that I was selfish, I thought, how dare they? I am, uh, you know, I've been um, cursed with this horrible disease. You know, there's people dying around me of all other things, and I'm thinking, poor me, you know. I've got this horrible disease and I can't stop, I can't stop compulsive eating. And they're saying that I am, someone said that I was selfish. How dare they, you know? Um, It was just so important for me to see what my part was in this disease. That yes, that I did have a part in it. Yes, that it was a self-imposed crisis. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Anne Marie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph?
4: (laughs) This is Susan
0: this is Katie. Okay, Susan in Florida, and then Katie. Go ahead, Susan.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Um, Susan, grateful, compulsive over here this morning. High vision for you. Glad you're all here. Oh, my God. This is me also. <laughs> I had a sponsor back in probably the 80s who kept calling me. I was a big baby pounding on the high chair. Wah, wah, wah. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do whining and moaning and groaning? And I could not believe. I could not believe. I didn't understand the word agnostic. I didn't understand anything about the spirituality
8: because, unfortunately.
0: Susan, I can't hear you. We'll wait for Susan to come back on the line. Katie, why don't you go ahead?
2: This is Katie, a compulsive overeater in Virginia, and I just want to focus on this line: "Crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade." That's all one phrase. It's 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 uh it's couched by um, commas on either side. That is one whole thing saying we've made this crisis. And we cannot postpone or evade it. That's the place that you have to be in order to to accept this program and to accept the help of a higher power. You have to be at a point where you can't say, oh, yeah, I binged yesterday, but I'm back on track today. You know, everything's fine now. Doesn't look too bad out. You know, I'm going to do better today. Well, I couldn't be at that place. I was no longer at that place. Um where i could postpone or evade this uh problem it was it was taking me um regardless of how i felt about it i mean i i wasn't just eating because it was someone's birthday party i wasn't just eating because you know my feelings were hurt i was eating 24 7. if i was awake i was eating and that's the place that i had to be in order to be uh willing to surrender to be able to move on to this next part, we had to fairly face the proposition that either God is everything or else He is nothing. I had to believe that God was going to take me because this disease was taking me this uh, this problem was taking me. I had to hold on to, to something i you know this this uh east Coast crisis of this hurricane. You know, all these rushing waters everywhere, you know, it's such a good analogy of of where I was in disease. I wasn't just coasting downhill. I was being catapulted down into an abyss and I wanted to die. And that's where I had to be in order to be willing to listen to a higher power. Because I'd been around here for a long time. Six years I came to these meetings and, you know, wanted to do it my way. I wanted to take Part of it and leave the rest. I wanted to do, you know, be absent on weekdays and not on the weekends. Well, you know what? That didn't work anymore. I was not able to put the food down for half a day, for an hour. If I was awake, I was eating within an hour of being up. And I wasn't eating an absent breakfast, I was eating everything I could get my hands on. And I'm so grateful that God is the one who pulled me out of this abyss. And I was opened up to be uh, willing, you know, to say these words in the previous paragraph, we don't know. That was a gift for me to be able to say, I don't know, what should I do? And to be willing to listen to so what others who had gone before me were willing and able to tell me what to do. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Katie. Susan, are you online?
2: It's Christy. It's
0: Susan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, Susan. I had to go
4: on to my cell phone. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I was saying, you know, I I was pounding on the high chair. My sponsor was very nasty to me, very nasty, because she was a recovering alcoholic as well, and she knew the depth of her disease of alcohol, which also filtered into her food and I couldn't get it, and I sat in the rooms, and I couldn't get it, and I couldn't get it, and I threw up my hands in doubt. For I have to tell you something. I I stayed in relapse probably for 35 years. Maybe 35 years. For most of my time in program, I stayed in relapse, and I was envious, and I was jealous of all these people who were saying they were recovering, and unfortunately, many of them uh went out in their disease or didn't return to the rooms and it was scary to see all these people coming and going because I felt hopeless and I saw no hope in the rooms and then it was back in May I get well not May last year a year ago I had a friend who kept talking to me and telling me oh this program is so wonderful you don't know what I'm getting out of it and Uh, It's going on and on, and I love her to death, and she also couldn't keep her absence for any period of time. And she's telling me about the big book and, you know, going into it. Well, where I lived, there still was nobody. To make a long story short, I did hook up with somebody back in May, and she asked me all the questions, was I willing to do this and willing to do that? And I was. I couldn't lay on the operating table anymore. I couldn't have the doctors tell my kids that um, I was going to die. I couldn't. It was too many times. And I just threw up my hands and I said, there has to be something out there. And she promised me, my sponsor promised me that there is a God. And I sat there in doubt. I sat there in doubt since May of this year. But slowly, surely, as I worked the steps, I was coming to find that I was seeing a little glimpse. I didn't have to use your God or anybody else's God, I could find my own God and I didn't have to get up and eat at night, and I didn't have to uh, go out and sneak or lie and cheat and do the things I used to do. I was finding that I could rely on something outside of myself. So for today, you know, I didn't even want to get up this morning because I was afraid the line would be down and nobody would be here. And it's funny, God is or he isn't. He He is because here you all are, and I'm so grateful that I well on and found you all. So I'm staying in a relationship with God, and all I can say is I'm having a wonderful life right now without the food. Thanks. Thank
0: you, Susan. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. and. You know, I mean, I love all or nothing thinking as an addict. I just love all or nothing thinking until I hit this sentence, you know, God is everything or else he is nothing. You know, that's the proposition that I was faced with. Of course, by that self-imposed crisis that other people have described, you know, God is either everything or he is nothing, you know, all or nothing thinking. You'd think I'd just like grab right onto that, all or nothing thinking. And, um, you know, my disease brought me to a point of desperation. It brought me to a point of desperation where, you know, here you go, Christy. Here you go. You want in or you want out? Are you going to opt in or are you going to opt out? Um, and, you know, I had to jump in with everything I had left, which wasn't a whole lot. You know, except for a lot of desperation, as I said, you know, this disease had beaten me to a state of reasonableness, where, you know, if you if you said Christy, you know, God is everything or God is nothing, um, I mean, you know, what was my choice? What was my choice to go on to the? You know, I'd already passed through the gates of insanity. I mean, it was death, life or death. Recovery is life or death for me. In the same way it was. On September 9th of 2001, when I made a decision and, and said, I'm done, I'm done. I don't know. Um, you know, and I, I latched on to the idea that, uh, you know, anything, anything I was presented with was better than what I was doing out there on my own. You know, my best thinking had, had a life of misery and pain for me. Um, And it didn't matter that I weighed 300 pounds. That didn't matter. That didn't matter. I was completely crazy. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful that when presented with this, I was desperate enough to say, okay, maybe there is a power greater than me that could restore me to sanity because I'm crazy. I am insane. And um, I'm just so grateful for that, so grateful for that, that I could fearlessly... Face that proposition that God is everything or else. He is nothing. He is or he isn't. What was my choice to be? All right, I give. I'll believe. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'll open my mind to any possibility beyond me. And with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else that would like to share on this paragraph?
9: This is Robin.
0: Robin, Hi. go ahead.
9: Oh. Hi, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I look at this paragraph and I think, just think about the word acceptance. Um, you know the the sentence that comes to me too is how free do you want to be? Because when I look at this, I realize that actually every crisis is self-imposed. It, it if I remain in charge of my life, then everything is going to be um, painted in a negative or a positive way. You know, based on character defects and fears. And um, but but in God's world, God has a perfect plan. I mean, this is what I've discovered. My higher power has a perfect plan that is in place, and if I struggle against it and fight against it and decide that I want things to be my way, um, I'm unhappy because of a a direction something is going, I'm going to turn it into a crisis because I'm not happy with the way God has choreographed things. Uh, I might lose somebody. I might um, have a car accident. You know, who knows? what's behind my higher power knows. I certainly don't know what's behind the way a day unfolds. Um, I can either spend my time railing against that and um, trying to make things work out the way I think they should work out or I can just accept right away God's in charge here. I don't need to make this a crisis. I can sit back and let things unfold, find what my higher power has in store for me because somewhere down the road I'll get it. I'll see a bigger picture, of course, this happened. It had to happen, and here's why I might not see it today, and the same is true for my for my eating. The same is true for my surrender with my compulsive overeating. I can see now what the promises talk about, where they you know the promises say that we'll recognize that our our you know terrible past is our greatest gift. If I hadn't gone through that, then I wouldn't have that to share with other people. I wouldn't be able to have that spiritual connection with other people who are still going through the same thing that I used to go through. So, you know, for me, if I can look at a day and see that my higher, higher power is in charge, then crisis averted, I'm not in charge. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move to the next one? Hi, this is Linda. I'd like to share. Sure, Linda, go ahead.
10: Wow, what a wonderful discussion. Um, Someone earlier talked about acting as if, and that's what I had to do. And as someone else has said, this paragraph uh, galvanized me into action in a crisis in recovery. And out of that came all of this. And, And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And now... And all I did was act as if, and boy, did I feel stupid, but I was so desperate. And I would say, maybe to somebody in the program, I feel like I'm talking to the air. I'm praying out loud. I live with animals, and literally animals, and uh, so I could pray out loud, and I felt, oh, I'm talking to the air. And somebody uh, who had a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience said, look at the coincidences when you pray. And what happens after that? And that was a, a key thing. And it had nothing to do with logic. There was something afoot in my life. Something is happening. And so out of that came a wonderful relationship with God. And I didn't invent it. I didn't have to invent God. God showed up and shows up all of the time. But I couldn't see that until I went through the steps. So um, to quote someone, leap, and the net will appear, because that's really true. I used to be an atheist, and I'm sure there's a God. I know there's a God. And I can't say I promise, like I'm some big shot, but I'm a little shot, and I'm telling you, it's real. Thanks, I pass.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Linda. Marsha, will you please read the next paragraph?
4: Certainly. This is Marsha. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today. Thank you, God. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support i will stop there and share um this is it right now i mean um we're we're at the turning point where do we what do we choose do we choose to go to the problem or do we choose to go to the solution and um It's now, uh, we've been, I'm I'm powerless. I'm powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. And do I keep doing what I've always done? Or do I do something else? Do something that has worked for thousands of other people before me? I mean, with alcohol and with food. uh, I I used food. I used food to get me by in life. And um, what was I going to do without it? What was I going to do? How was I going to deal with life without it? And here was the choice you can do deal with life if you trust in a power greater than yourself. And I had been leaning too heavily on reason. My my whole life was reason. My, I have a bookshelf filled with, you know, atheist work and agnostic work and, and overanalyzing, overthinking things and, and trusting what I see and, and having little faith in what I don't. And, and my life is so different now. I mean, I sit in rooms in business meetings and there are lots of personalities in those meetings and not a single one of them knows a 12-step program except for me. And I have that single advantage that I can sit there in that room and I can call on to my higher power and say, okay, help me get through this meeting. Help me get through and pray for these personalities in this room so that I can get through with peace and serenity. And every time I call, God is there for me every single time and to the point where sometimes I forget. I, I just completely forget that there was a crisis in a meeting or there's a crisis in my family or there, oh yeah, I, I remember there was an issue with my sister or there was an issue with my brother or something went on. And the fact that I turn those things over and I don't, I don't eat over them, I don't feel the need to to try and calm myself, to try and comfort myself with food so that I don't have to feel the pain of something or the irritation of something or someone, the fact that I can do that now, the fact that I trust that my higher power can take me to that next level, that I can let go of my reason and, and try and figure out how to fix these people. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to fix this crisis at work. I don't have to fix this crisis at home i I can trust that that there's something out there that there's a plan for this, and it doesn't it's not mine because my plans don't usually work um, and and I think that that's probably the most amazing part of this re- i like how they capitalize reason um too leaning too heavily on reason, and you know it's reason versus faith, and quite often, I have to choose faith now faith now because reason really only got me so far Faith faith took me the rest of the way took me where i needed to be Um, and one more the friendly hands that stretched out and welcome when i think of that phrase i think of my first meeting and i think of i looked across the room and there was a friend of mine from grade school and i hadn't seen her in years and i felt at home instantly and what, a, what an amazing, warm feeling. In addition to all the smiles and, and the friendly faces, I, I, I just instantly felt at home, and I knew that I was in the right place. I knew I was here. It took me a long time to get abstinent, but when I finally let go of my reason, when I finally trusted my higher power through, through my sponsor, it, it began to work for me. It began to, to do its magic, and it's, it's, I'm living a life today that I could never have imagined. And I thank God for that every day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on this particular paragraph?
4: Hi, this is Kim. Leia. Hi, this is Carolyn.
0: Okay, I heard Kim and then Leah and then Carolyn. Uh, go ahead, Kim.
4: Good morning again, Christy. You know, I th- I'm glad that Marsha pointed out, um, you know, we have to look what, what's capitalized. You know, when they have down here reason, bridge of reason, uh, it's because that's what our God is. You know, it's capitalized because that's what we worship. You know, we had to move away from the worship of reason to the worship of a higher power. But the, the sentence that really brings it out for me is the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. And that just so hits me because, you know, this disease beat me to a pulp. You know, when I came into the OA room and people were smiling and everyone seemed to be a little bit happy, you know, I was like, okay, well, maybe there's some hope. Maybe there's some hope. You know, and I got a food plan. I got in that pink cloud. And that food plan became my higher power. And I worshipped it. And I worshipped it for six years. And then life got tough. Life became overwhelming. And I made that very conscious decision that it was harder to live abstinent, because that's all I was. I wasn't in recovery. It was abstinence only. But it was harder to be abstinent and deal with life, and I decided to go back into the food. And that's where the real horror began. Just to sit in OA rooms, you know, with a head full of OA and a belly full of food is the most torturous place to be. It was absolutely terrifying because I could no longer enjoy binging. I could no longer enjoy the anesthesia of the food because I knew what I was doing, and it was horrific. And then a couple of years ago, I dialed into the phone and I found a big book study, and my tired eyes and my flagging spirit began to find hope. And I heard people that were actually recovered from this disease, people who weren't just white-knuckling it, people who weren't just saying, I beat the food today, but people who were recovered, people who didn't not just have to eat, but people who didn't even want to eat, people who found a higher power in their life that could do for them what they could not do for themselves. So I, I took that promise. It was a promise of that new land, and that new land was recovery. Not abstinence, but it was recovery. And my tired eyes brightened up, and I got that fresh courage to walk through this book and apply it the way it's telling me to apply it. And I was be able to become recovered, that today I don't want to eat. I don't care if it's Hurricane Sandy or a flat tire out, out front. Anything could have made me eat. And today, my goal is to, is to join with my higher power, to join with my fellows, and to live a life that is happy, joyous and free. And for that, I am truly grateful. And with that I pass.:
0: Thank you, Kim. Leah, go ahead.
6: Thank you so much. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. First of all, this book is penned by the collective experience of those who are recovered. So they're offering me a message of hope here and a message of salvation. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. And and I, too, you know, that's where I was at. The big book is giving me an ultimatum. It's giving me an ultimatum at this point it's saying, you know what leia self sufficiency will not produce the spiritual awakening that you so desperately need self sufficiency is not going to do it. It says we couldn't duck the issue, and wasn't that true? you know Katie mentioned um you know we we could not postpone or evade uh this situation well, you know when when I crawled in, you know, I was eating with a sense of urgency and desperation that I had never known before. I mean, this, this disease of mine was like a runaway train, like a runaway train. So, you know, I had been so afraid to let go of my ability to reason and my ability to analyze and my ability to discriminate. But the bottom line was I was dying by my own fists. You know, I was <laughs> no one was doing this to me. I was the creator of my own pain. No one was doing this to me, and yet I continued to worship reason, and I continued to worship my thinking mind and my ego. But you know, I was cornered. I was cornered. There was no door number three. Either I was going to continue to eat myself beyond insanity and death. Or I was going to pick up this kit of spiritual tools. And once the intellect was fired, once my intellect was fired as my guide, it could be replaced by a different guide. And that guide is submission to God and submission to the program of recovery. And only when that ego and intellect was dethroned could, could God rule my life. You know, <laughs> uh, the, the pain is in the resistance and the struggle. You know, to let go, to let go, to let go and to allow uh, those core beliefs of mine to be cast to, aside and discarded and, and allow some new beliefs to trickle in. You know, believe these people, these people, these friendly hands, believe that their life has been transformed and be willing, willing to believe. Willing to believe that God would do that for me too. God came through my wounds. God came through my wounds, not my mind. And with that, I passed. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. Carolyn, go ahead.
11: Hi, I'm Carolyn, a recovered compulsive overreader, and I know it, and, and for me, this just brings so much to, to light. You know left to my own de- devices, I would self-destruct, and I needed to find that faith. I needed to have that attitude of gratitude so that I could look each day in the face and say, thank you, God, no matter what's going on in my life today, it is what it's supposed to be for me. But I, I, for a long time, I couldn't find that faith. I was wandering around, looking and looking, and could never find what was missing in my life. I didn't realize that I had to seek out a higher power. That um, reason, I, I depended too heavily. I was told that I know too much for my own good. And I didn't know how to get stupid again, excuse the pun. But I didn't know how to put aside the knowledge that I had in my head so that I could allow newer, better knowledge to enter into my mind. And today, I seek out God in everything that I do. This is where the open-mindedness and willingness comes in, so long as I'm willing to be honest with myself, bringing me to believe in that God, brings me to believe in the God of my understanding today so that I can look at my life and say, it is what it's supposed to be today, and this is a learning curve, and the reason why these things are happening is because there's a lesson for me to learn. I seek The lesson today. I don't wallow in the self pity anymore because I I was. I, you know, just touching on that chapter up above, God either is or He isn't. He is everything or He is nothing. And today I have to make God everything in my life because without bringing God completely into my life, without bringing my higher power, Completely into my day before I even begin my day, if I don't do that, I'm setting myself up for failure before my day has even begun. So I speak out God in my morning prayer and meditation and help to remind myself. I have a reminder set on my phone that goes off every three hours and it says, Fuck God. And that's such a beautiful thing because if I'm caught up in the moment and forgetting that God is in control, not me, it brings me back. I seek to be happy on purpose today because in doing so, I'm living in God's light, and it is what it's supposed to be, no matter what the crisis that I'm dealing with at this very moment. It is what it's supposed to be, and I smile. I walk around with a smile on my face. It's okay that I'm going through what I'm going through as long as God is in my life, and I don't even think of the food. You know, last night I didn't eat my supper until 8 o'clock at night because I was so involved in just seeking God with everything that was going on for the day, living through the hurricane and just giving it over to God and saying, this is your storm, and I know you bring crisis into our life to help us see that we need to turn to you and not away from you. That, for me, was such a beautiful thing, and with that I passed.
0: Thank you, Carolyn, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Deb W., will you please read A Vision for You?
2: My pleasure. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.